Amen and good morning. Welcome to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. Now I'll tell you, I am recording this on Saturday before the Bills game. So I'm hopeful that you are all rejoicing this morning. If not, I'm very sorry. But I do want you to know that otherwise, if I knew if the game was going to be a win or a lose, I would say more. But hopefully today you are rejoicing. If not, remember, there's always next year. And now, friends, more importantly, even more important than football, here we are to worship. So welcome to worship on this Sunday morning. Wherever you are, however you are gathered, welcome to worship. And let us begin in a moment of prayer. Holy God, loving God, God who is greater than all things, we turn to you this morning. We ask that you fill our hearts with praise as we worship you. Bless us so that we can follow in the way of Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Jesus come, come Jesus come, we need your mighty presence in our lives, so we call on your name, hear us Lord as we pray, we say come Jesus come, Jesus come, come and build your throne among us Lord. We offer you our praise. Arise and fill the temple of our hearts. Be exalted in this place. Be exalted in this place. Come, Jesus, come. Come, Jesus, come. We need your mighty presence in our peace candle. As we light this candle, we pray for peace. We pray for peace in our own lives. We pray for peace in our own communities. And we pray for peace in the communities that are not our own. We pray for peace in this world. 
so will your hearts join with mine as we pray for peace today. God, we pray for peace. We pray for your peace that surpasses all human understanding. But we also pray for the peace that could put an end to all war and hatred and evil. We pray that your peace can prevail on earth. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. ground I bow with thee where wise men laid before their offerings I laid no golden crown here at your feet just this my broken because you are God. Rejoice and give thanks. Alleluia. 
Amen. One day, all dogs and cats will play together. I have a dream that one day all dogs will have good and loving homes. I have a dream that one day all humans will be happier because they have a dog. Um, Bernie, what are you doing? Oh, hey, big brother. I'm just working on my I have a dream speech. What I have a dream speech? Well... Taylor and I were doing our virtual school the other day, and we were learning about Martin Luther King Jr. He was a pastor and a civil rights leader, and he gave an important speech that started with, I have a dream. So I decided to write my own I have a dream speech. You know, it's just Taylor that is virtual school, not the both of you, right? Well, Charlie, while you stay by Mom's side all day, I like to learn new things. I get to learn about social studies. I get to help Taylor play the clarinet. I usually doze off during math, though. So what else did you learn about Dr. King? Well, he taught people that humans are loved by God and should be treated equally because people haven't always been treated fairly based on the color of their skin. Yeah, that's something I've never understood about humans. Dogs don't care what color each other's fur is. Why do humans judge each other for different skin color? I'm not sure, but Dr. King and a lot of really great leaders help to change the way humans act. But humans still have a lot to learn. They need to learn that God wants everyone to love and respect each other and work to make this world a better place. Humans have a lot to learn, but maybe we can show them how to be more loving. You know, Jesus showed people how to love. He even taught his disciples how to love their enemies. Between us and the teachings of Jesus, hopefully humans will learn how to do better. I hope so, big brother. Okay, kids, go and be loving like Jesus. See you next week. Our reading today comes from the first book of Samuel. We are going to read the third chapter. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please give us a thumbs up on Facebook or on YouTube and say amen. Starting with verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were not widespread. Now at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And so Samuel went to lie down, and the Lord called him again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. 
lie down again. And now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. And now the Lord came and stood there and calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. And Samuel lay down there until morning and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that was told to you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. And so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you for allowing us to be here today. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Now Samuel is the one in the Bible who introduces the monarchy to the kingdom of Israel because prior to Samuel anointing kings, first Saul and then David, Israel was actually ruled by judges because at that time Israel was more tribal and so judges were really these military leaders who led the people and kind of kept the people safe and, and told them when they needed to go and they needed to do a military conquest or anything like that. But the other interesting thing is that according to the Bible, God actually did not want the Israelites to have a king because God wanted to be the people's king. God wanted people to be so in tune to the spiritual nature and the spiritual presence of God that they didn't require a human king because God knew that any human king would be imperfect as Saul and also David proved to be true. But so we learn about Samuel in the Bible because Samuel is the one who anoints and chooses the kings of Israel. But it's really interesting as we look into Samuel's life. And so in order to look into Samuel's life, we have to open up the beginning of the first book of Samuel, which is where we are reading today. Now, if you are with us in Bible study this week, you've kind of learned a lot of what I'm going to talk about. But I want to make sure that we truly understand who Samuel was, what his purpose was, and what he can teach us. And so Samuel's story begins with a mother who was barren. Now you're going to notice if you're paying attention to your Bible that whenever there's a woman who is barren, we should probably pay attention. You know my rule. Whenever there's a woman mentioned in the Bible, especially if she's named, pay attention because she's probably really good or really bad or somehow we need to pay attention. Well, the mother of Samuel was named Hannah. Hannah was originally barren, so here's Hannah's story. Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah had another wife. Elkanah's other wife's name was Peninnah. So Elkanah was married to Hannah and Peninnah. And of course, Elkanah loved Hannah, the wife who was unable to have children. He loved her dearly. But then his other wife, Peninnah, was able to have children. Now, of course, Peninnah and everybody else knew that Elkanah Elkanah loved Hannah more than he loved Peninnah. So how do you think Peninnah made Hannah feel about the fact that she was able to have multiple children and Hannah was not? If you're guessing, you're probably saying, yeah, she made her feel bad. And she did. That was the life at that time. And that Peninnah made Hannah feel terrible for the fact that Peninnah could have children and Hannah could not. And so one day Hannah went up to go worship God and Hannah was just broken and feeling terrible. And so Hannah poured out her heart to God and Hannah asked God if God would just bless her with a child, then she would set that child apart to be holy. She would have that child raised in a way where he was not distracted by the cares of the world, but she would set him aside to be holy. And Hannah's prayer was 
answered. Hannah was able to conceive and to bear a son, and then when that son was about probably four years old, when he was fully weaned, she brought that son up to the priest named Eli, where the son, who was named Samuel, was raised by the priest named Eli. Now, the kind of crazy thing is that Eli had actually already raised two sons and raised them in the priesthood, but his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were as the Bible says, scoundrels. They were not very good people. Not only were they not very good priests, but they were genuinely not very good people either. They were probably some of the most disliked people in their whole entire society at that time because they were scoundrels, as the Bible puts it. But somehow, as Eli raised Samuel, Samuel, maybe it's because in that yearly visit that he received from his mother, he was reminded of the importance of setting himself apart to be holy. But Samuel actually learned all of the lessons from the priest, Eli. Samuel actually paid good attention to the lessons in the priesthood so that Samuel was not distracted by the cares of the world, but Samuel was able to really, eventually, feel the presence of God, which would lead him to anoint the kings of Israel. But the one thing that I actually want us to pay attention to today was that first verse in our reading today. Now, in that first verse in this chapter that we started to read today, you're going to notice something. It says that in those days, the messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. That's the verse that really caught my attention this week, that, that visions were quite uncommon, that messages from the Lord were rare. Now, for some reason, even though throughout all of history, the Israelite people always have prophets and people who are able to really basically speak to the Lord and to understand what the Lord wants them to do and where the Lord wants to guide them. At this time, all people are kind of unable to hear from the Lord. I mean, Eli actually had received a message from God at some point that God was really upset with the way that his sons were behaving. But besides that, nobody was really hearing any messages from the Lord. And I can't help but wonder, why do you think that people were unable to hear from the Lord? Was it because they were too inwardly focused that they weren't able to think about what God wanted them to do because all that they were thinking about was their own cares and their own desires and they were so focused on themselves that they couldn't experience God? Or was it maybe because they were so distracted by all the cares of the world, like I think a lot of people can be today, that that they weren't really in tune to what God was trying to say to them? We don't know exactly what was going on at that time, but we know that somehow people were not feeling the presence of the Lord. We don't know exactly how they were distracted, but somehow they were distracted. But Samuel had been set apart to be holy. Samuel had been set apart to lead a different kind of life. He wasn't distracted by all the cares of the world. He didn't have the the same concerns that maybe everybody else had. He wasn't quite as distracted as other people might be, and he wasn't, you know, trying to lead a very selfish life like Eli's sons Hophni and Phinehas had done. And so what happened was suddenly Samuel hears the voice of the Lord when he's sleeping at night because Samuel is, is good and he's set apart as holy. But of course, at first, Samuel doesn't know what exactly is going on. It takes him a little while to understand that he is hearing the voice of the Lord, but eventually it kind of makes Samuel 
understand what he's hearing, and Samuel becomes open to the voice of God. But here's my thoughts as we look at this text. My thoughts are, as, as people at that time were too distracted to hear from the Lord, how about us? Do we get too distracted sometimes to feel the presence of God? Do we get too distracted, maybe by our own cares, maybe by the cares of the world, to feel the presence of God? Now, a couple of years ago, I went on this amazing retreat to Sedona. Some of you might remember. And I went to this retreat in Sedona, and it was led by this husband and wife couple. Now, at first, my retreat started out with the wife as she and I went hiking around Sedona, and it was just a wonderful experience. Then we got to sit down and listen to the rushing waters, which was in itself powerful and spiritual. And then after our hike and and our little journey outside, we went back to where we met the husband. And then the husband uh, led a guided meditation, which I will tell you is one of the most powerful guided meditations I've ever experienced in my life. But before this guided meditation, he made sure to ask what was going on in my mind. Like, what was possibly distracting me in my mind? Because he made me realize that if I wanted to be able to really uh, feel the presence of God in a guided meditation, then I needed to really take those distractions out of my mind. And he told me a story before we began. He told me a story about a woman who came to him to receive some help and some healing because just a year or two before, she had actually lost her son in a car accident. And of course, she was a mother and she was heartbroken, but she wasn't able to really begin the grieving process and begin to heal at all because she was so distracted by what was going on in the news at the time. There was a lot of stuff going on in the news, and her mind was always paying attention to everything that was going on in the news, and she was so anxious about everything that was going on in the world that she would listen to every day that she really wasn't able to start to heal, and she really wasn't even able to start to grieve because all that she did was, was focus on what was going on in the world. And then finally, what, what this man who led this meditation said, he looked at her and he said, what can you do? What is it that you can do to change what's going on out in, there, in the world? Is there anything that you personally can do to fix what's going on right now, to fix what's taking all of your thoughts? And she thought about it and she realized, No, she was losing sleep over the fact that she was thinking about what was going on, but there was nothing that she actually could do to fix what was going on in the world. And so he said, why are you allowing something that you can't change, something that you can't help at all, why are you allowing that to destroy your own peace? And that was something that must have kind of hit her as she realized that what he was saying was true. By the way, Jesus says something similar. Jesus says that worrying cannot add a single hour to the span of your life. Worrying cannot add a single hour to the span of your life. And I would think that worrying and being anxious over things that we can't control, not only do they not 
add any time to our life, but they take away from our life. Maybe they take away the actual time in our life, but they also take away the quality of our life. I don't know if you're like me, but do you ever stay awake anxiously thinking about things at night? I'm the kind of person where usually I can fall asleep, but then when like two, three, four o'clock comes, it's like, whoo, I'm wide awake in my mind. Can't go back to sleep because I'm too, too busy going over all the things that make me anxious. And then when morning comes, I'm completely exhausted. Is anybody else like me with that? But what good does that do us? Jesus says that by worrying, we can't add a single hour to the span of our life. And he, not only is he right, but I think that by worrying, we actually decrease the quality of our lives. But you know, that woman I was just talking about, when she realized that she couldn't fix what was going on in the world, when she realized that the things that were stealing all of her attention were actually harming her and making it harder for her to grieve the death of her son and to really begin to heal it all, when she realized that, she realized that that, that distraction was hurting her spiritually and that she needed to care for herself spiritually if she wanted to begin to heal. Friends, we can't control everything that goes on in this world, but we can control how we respond. And we can control how we feel, and we can control our own spiritual situation. Which makes me think that especially as this world can be a highly anxious place, and we're almost a year into a pandemic, and there's a lot going on, as we worry about all this, we need to make sure that we're not being so consumed by worry that we're ruining how we're doing spiritually. So we need to really check in on ourselves. It's like, think about it. I just went to my annual doctor's appointment. We check on how we're doing physically regularly. We also need to check in on how we're doing spiritually. I, I kind of think that's what Sunday mornings are for. We need to check in on how we're doing spiritually. Are we consumed by all of the cares of the world, or are we able to walk in tune with the presence of God? Because we can't be healthy participants in this world, in our families, in our communities, or even in our society. We can't be healthy participants in this world unless we ourselves are spiritually and psychologically healthy. I mean, think about what, something else that Jesus says. Jesus says, what happens if the blind lead the blind? He says, if the blind lead the blind, they both end up where? They both end up in the ditch. So if we are spiritually unhealthy, if we are psychologically unhealthy, if we are, are not in a good place with our own selves, how are we supposed to help anyone, any part of our family, any part of our community, if we ourselves are unwell? If we are unwell, if we are not in a good place, then we will be like the blind leading the blind, and we will both fall into the ditch. Eli couldn't fix his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. But he could raise Samuel right. And Samuel was raised right, and Samuel was raised to be able to feel the presence of God. We can't fix everything going on in this world. At least I know I can't. But what we can do is we can make sure that we are spiritually and psychologically healthy enough that we are able to be a good influence in our family and in our community. And then we can get to that whole loving our neighbor thing that Jesus tells us to do and we can help slowly but surely to sow waves of peace throughout this 
world. We can't do anything to benefit our community or our society unless we first make sure that we, ourselves, are spiritually healthy. So let me ask you, friends, are there distractions in this world that we might need to push off to the side a little bit? Are there things taking up too much mental space in our mind that they are actually causing us spiritual harm so that we're not able to truly feel the presence of God in our lives? Are there spiritual exercises that we can do? We talked about this in Bible study this week. Are there spiritual exercises that we can do to make sure that we are quieting the noise in the world and that we are in tune with God? Is there something that we can do? Because Samuel, when he made sure that he was open to the presence of God, he heard the voice of God. And he was able to feel the presence of God. And if we're willing to listen... We can do the same. We might not hear a big booming voice of God. That's never how I experience God. But we'll be able to feel the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power of the Holy Spirit will guide us. And that power of the Holy Spirit will give us peace. And then, friends, when we know peace, spiritually and psychologically, then we can help to spread peace throughout the world. That, I think, is how we can make this world a better place. So let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy God and loving God, we turn to you. Holy Spirit, pour yourself upon us. Bless us with your power and with your peace. Bless us so that we can calm our anxious minds and our anxious thoughts so we can focus on you. Help us, Lord, to sow peace throughout this world. And we pray this and every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Sadness ever joy. 
to grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, in giving of ourselves that we received, and in dying that we're born to eternal And now is the time for our offering. We thank everybody who continues to give, whether online or sending in a check. And so now is the time where we can prayerfully and financially turn our blessings over to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. My friends, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge Lord and Savior, my friends, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, Lord and Savior, my friends may grow in faith and in the promise of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. To God be the glory now and forever. Lord and Savior, my friends may grow in love and in the kindness of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. Now and forever.
Now let us go forth with the blessing of God. Let us go forth with the love of Christ. Let us go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all. My friends may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Friends, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. My friends, may you grow Lord and Savior, my friends may grow in faith and in the promise of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. To God be the glory now and forever. Lord and Savior, my friends may grow in love and in the kindness of Jesus Christ.